0: Couldn't
1: sleep at all at night. I'm so tired. No sleep! Last night, I didn't get to sleep
2: at all. No. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode three of Filmography Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, and joining me today are. Two thirds of Titanic Minute and three thirds of Tombstone Minute. I checked the math; it works out. Uh, please welcome Joe and Rob to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for coming.
1: Hey, thanks a lot for having us.
0: It's our great pleasure.
1: I feel like uh, I feel like you missed out by not having Candy-Colored Clown by Roy Orbison on that introduction. Rob, sing it. I, Let's go, Rob. <laughs> I haven't done all my. What does he do in uh, in Blue Velvet? What ether or what is what is
0: he sucking down on that? Uh, it was supposed to be like laughing gas. Yeah, I haven't done that yet, <laughs> but I think they chickened out while they were filming and switched it to helium or something like that. Oh yeah, I think it was helium. When you do your David Lynch season,
2: you know I'm not—I don't think I'm a big David Lynch guy. One more—what was that song? I'm gonna make a note of it because now I kind of want to look it up later. Candy-colored
1: clown. It's—it's
0: it's about Jared Fogle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Candy-colored clown—they call the sub man. <laughs>
0: It's, 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 the, they're, they're first, they're trying to come up with a jingle for the $5 foot long, and they, they started with that. Oh, just a sprinkle,
1: um, cheese. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of lyrics from Candy Colored Clown about Subway.
2: Today, we're talking about Christopher Nolan's third feature length film, Insomnia, comes out, came out in 2002. I'm hoping you guys uh, watched it. Yeah. Good. Good first step. It's 2002. Like I said, this is uh, Christopher Nolan's third the directorial feature length film. Uh, his first one was 1998's following and then 2000s Memento. And have you guys seen either or both of those?
1: Uh, I've seen Memento.
2: Yeah, I've seen him. How long has it been or have you ever seen insomnia before?
1: I actually, Memento was a big deal for me in, uh, college slash maybe my last year in high school when I first saw it. So I was very excited about the release of insomnia. So I went and saw insomnia in the theater.
0: I, I don't think I I probably saw it right after it was released on DVD. I, I know I didn't see it in the theater, but I, I I'm I was excited to watch it, so I must have rented it.
2: And then between then and now,
0: hadn't seen it since then. Yeah, well, I, I watched it again uh, earlier this week, but
2: well, oh, good, good. So I also, I think I saw it in 2004, and so I do Netflix, but when I say Netflix, I mean like DVDs by mail. Remember those?
1: You were crushed when that Blockbuster sold, uh, Blockbuster closed near you, I guess. No, I was on DVDs
2: at the time then oh, too, okay. but there's the streaming selection is just so poor. Mm-hmm. Everything's still on disc. The crazy thing is they had kept the ratings, and they still do from when I was a member the first time, because it's the same Gmail address from way back in the day. Sure. So apparently I had watched this in 2004 and gave it two stars. Wow. Yeah. Which might be a little harsh. I just remember it not sitting with me well, but the executive producers were George Clooney and Steven Soderbergh.
0: Those guys are behind like a lot of actually pretty cool movies as producers, but they, they don't really promote it very much. But when you there's been a lot of times where I'm watching the credits, I'm like, ah, oh, Soderbergh. I like that about him. Do you like
2: Stephen? I mean, the producers don't yes. have. Well, okay,
0: I like the Oceans movies, and
2: that's about it. And I saw Logan Lucky, and that was fun. But nothing else comes up. Uh,
1: no, uh, oh, I'm the opposite. I like all the other movies, and not the Oceans ones. Huh?
0: Rob doesn't like fun. You liked Logan Lucky?
1: Yeah. No, I said I like all the other ones, but Oceans, the Oceans movies. Mm. I like all of Soderbergh, except Oceans 12 and Oceans 13. How about that? But not eleven's okay. Eleven's fine.
0: All right, I'll allow like, eleven.
2: I should probably have done this at some point. But what what impact, if any, do producers have on the artistic vision of a film? Do you know? I mean, they choose
0: people that make it, but after that,
1: yeah. Now, it, if it's executive producer, my understanding is that's mostly uh, money, money or connections.
0: Yeah, the the executive producer isn't going to be hands on at all. But producers can have a, have a ton of power. They, have in many cases, more power than the director. It's going to vary from project to project. So like you look at like guys like well <laughs> serial rapist and harasser harvey weinstein i mean that guy is producing the films but i mean he's he's in most cases he uh i mean he he pick, he makes the final cut of the films a lot of times that's why a lot of directors like uh you guys saw snow piercer right the reason it kind of just got dumped into a few theaters in the united states and never really got a wide release is because uh the director of Snowpiercer wouldn't make it shorter so weinstein basically just jettisoned it and dumped it Oh, wow. I didn't know that was the story behind that. Yeah. So Weinstein thought it was too long and wanted to cut parts out of it. And the director was like, go pound sand. So then Weinstein's like, fine. And they put it out in like 10 theaters and it just disappeared. Wow.
1: Not enough uh, women in it for Weinstein.
2: So the director wouldn't make it shorter. And then he got back at him just by being a shitty producer. I mean, unless you're like
1: uh, an auteur or someone who has like a lot of power behind you know, like a Steven Spielberg or Christopher Nolan now. Like, people see movies because of who's directing it. But if you're not that, I mean, the producer has way more power. Yep.
2: All right, so that's uh, those are the producers. Uh, last uh, couple of movies that our uh, top-billed cast had done, um, Al Pacino is, uh, had come from Donnie Brasco, The Devil's Advocate, The Insider, Any Given Sunday, and Chinese Coffee, which I had not heard of until uh, looking this up.
1: I have seen the insider in any given Sunday I I have Donny's Donnie Brasco on my list I've heard it's good I've never seen it. I didn't know Chinese coffee and the devil's advocate I don't know I think I've seen some of it like what well, like a you know cable movie thing watched a little bit but I've never seen the whole thing the insiders very very good oh
0: fantastic
2: I'll oh, see that one I I had not seen Chinese coffee or Donnie Brasco but uh, I just remember The devil's advocate has a lot of great YouTube clips of uh, Pacino yelling and Any Given Sunday is more an Oliver Stone movie than an Al Pacino one. Robin Williams had come from Jacob the Liar, which I had not seen. Bicentennial Man, AI, which I don't remember him in.
1: Uh, I don't I don't remember that
2: movie. Oh, it's not worth remembering. I've... One Hour Photo, which came out the same year and was the other movie where Robin Williams was not a uh, good guy or comedic relief. And then uh, Death to Smoochie right before... Um, well, same year. I guess I don't know what the release order was, but
1: I th- I think the release order was. It's weird. I think One Hour Photo was shown in festivals first before Insomnia, but I think Insomnia came out first. But I think Death of Smoochie might have beaten all of them to the theater, like to like wide release. I mean, but I think it's. I mean, that's one of the more interesting things about not just uh, Insomnia but Robin Williams' career in general. Is two thousand two is like a and uh, I find it to be a fascinating year for him to kind of kind of make this decision, or, you know, essentially. I mean, I guess it was 2001 probably when he made the decision. But still, to be like a villain in three movies in a row.
2: Oh, so he was a bad guy in Death to Smooch? I I, again, I have not seen Death to Smoochie, so that's, that's the one about a mascot see. with Ed Norton, right? That's it's all I remember.
1: sort of like a dark Barney but not good i mean i, I don't know i mean i I've, I've i've never heard good things about it but he's sort of like an over-the-top
0: evil barney joe death smoochie i haven't seen it but yeah that was like this period when robert williams was trying to like make pretty dark movies kind of stretch things out a little bit like
2: trying to be an actor like when jim carrey did 23
0: yeah kind of like that except um Robert the robin williams ones were good sometimes <laughs> so can we can we go back to al pacino for a second because i've I realized something weird while I was watching this. Um, let me just count on my paper here real quick. One, two, three. So uh, what? Al Pacino has a thing with cops. Have you guys noticed this? He has played... As in he
1: plays a police officer a lot? My,
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know. I'm sure this is something that's, well... I've just never heard, seen anyone write about this before. I'm sure many people have. I never didn't really bother to look. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times he's played a cop in his career. And then another movie, he played a CIA agent, which is like an even worse kind of cop. And then 88 minutes, he plays a forensics psychiatrist, which I, he works on cases a lot. That's 10 times. That's weird.
1: Is he is he a cop in Cruising? I've never seen it, but isn't he a cop in Cruising? Yeah, that he too? is. He goes undercover. Okay.
0: Yeah, so Sea of Love, Serpico, this isn't in order. Cruising, heat, insomnia, righteous kill, the son of no one, hangman, then those other two. Cutting kind of added on the recruit in 88 minutes pretty i mean it's pretty bizarre yeah
2: it sounds like you're suggesting that al pacino's career is being held back by him being typecast and everything
0: no not not that but just <laughs> I, I just think it's kind of odd how many times he's returned to playing a cop i, I i'd like to know if there's something un, like un, subconscious going on there about that or if it's just how many times those, does things, those
1: cops kill someone they shouldn't have I'm curious. (laughs) Well, maybe Pacino is just super woke and was
0: like, I'm going to play cops that are dirty. Yeah, he's kind of the opposite of like, he's like the perfect cop. But yeah, anyways.
2: And then of course, uh, Godfather and Scarface, the complete opposite of that.
0: Yeah, he's played a criminal a lot. And his next movie, he plays like a a mobbed up guy too.
2: Oh, and I heard the Irishman, right? And I heard that he's playing a 37 year old or something like he's supposed to be, you know, half the age that he is.
0: They're spending like almost $200 million on it to digitally make De Niro and Pacino look younger.
2: Oh, De Niro's in it too? Shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there he is. How about that? You know, that used to be special when they were in movies together. Now they just do it for the paycheck, I guess. And I probably should touch on uh, Hillary Swank here who just left the fucking planet at some point, but the five movies prior to uh, Insomnia here were Quiet Days in Hollywood. Never heard of it. Heartwood, never heard of it. Boys Don't Cry, which was the the mm-hmm. star-making turn, right? Yep, uh, very good. The Gift, which I've heard of, but I think I'm thinking of a different movie that came out more recently with Jason
1: Bateman. The, I and also am thinking of The Craft, which isn't right either.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then The Affair of the Necklace, again, having not heard of it. And then Insomnia. And then for context, The Next Karate Kid was 1994, so eight years prior to this, and then Million Dollar Baby was 2004, so a couple of years after and that's
1: I really like Hillary Swake. I think she's been very good in everything I've seen her in and whenever she's in a movie I'm generally pleased. Oh, she's to see
0: in it. Logan Lucky. You're right. Oh, that's right.
2: Oh, and she was in uh I'm, we're all looking at the her IMDb page not
1: right now, right? Black Dahlia, but I
2: th- she was awful in that. Our uh, DP, our uh, cinematographer Wally Pfister, who uh, in the last episode I had mentioned that, you know, his career began in the uh, cinemax softcore adult entertainment industry which is some fun trivia but he was uh almost exclusively a nolan uh well nolan's preferred uh cinematographer for the first 6 movies i think he's gotten somebody else the last couple cuz uh, wally went on to direct
1: i i mean i only really i don't i can't say i can separate him from nolan I don't know a lot of movies I don't know him well enough to know like movies he's been the DP of that weren't Nolan movies or Nolan movie you know what I mean like I don't know how to separate those two
2: fair enough let's kind of get into uh, this movie here so if you had to tweet the summary or plot of this movie what's your very brief uh, rundown of insomnia here
0: You mean so far or just the whole movie
2: uh, <laughs> just the whole just give me the whole movie. If you're going to what's your elevator pitch? Let's say you really like this movie and you were going to try to convince somebody to see it.
1: I would say it's a well-made neo-noir with good actors in Alaska. Yeah,
0: Rob, Yeah, kind of nailed it. I mean, it's yeah, man, there's really not too much to this movie. <laughs> not that I don't like it, but there's so little going on, really, that it, it's hard to even just reducing it down to an elevator pitch almost still describes the whole movie in detail, which like I was kind of going to get into later, but I, I came out of it after watching it for the second time, and I, and I was just like this this not, like nothing happens, <laughs> and the story in it at least the way it's presented is is so simple, and actually really kind of shallow. It, it, it really the only way you're going to like this movie is if you just if you just want a, a movie where Al Pacino only gets to yell one time for a change
2: hot <laughs> that's funny that you mentioned. That's in my notes that he's a little—he's pretty subdued in this movie. He only yells twice.
0: Oh man, that's
1: that's it's, that's different. I actually, I like this movie.
0: I—I'm not saying I don't like it. It's okay, but it—it's the—it's the end of Al Pacino's career. Like this is it.
1: I—I I would just say like this is a like if uh, this is a top half Nolan movie for me. Like I, this is for sure my top half Nolan movie. Really? Enjoy. Yeah. Because this
2: would be like number nine on my list, and we can. We can rank them.
1: I mean, I don't know if I'm able to do that, but just, like, off the top of my head, like, I kind of like that maybe because he didn't write it and maybe this is me being influenced by Titanic, but, like, you know, it seems to be more, like, real people doing things. Like, it seems to be a little more emotion on here than just, like, you know, plot devices.
2: It it lacks the bombast and spectacle of... A lot of the stuff that comes after this certainly, and, and you're probably right. A lot of that has to do with it being based off of a. Did you guys see the Norwegian version by any chance? No, I haven't. I,
0: I it, it wasn't at the. None of the libraries around here had a copy of it. I, I, I wasn't willing to pay money to prepare for this podcast. Sorry. No, that's, that's <laughs> fair. I
2: didn't. I haven't set up the expense account yet. Um, it's uh, it's pretty. If insomnia was a jog, then the. 1997 norwegian version of insomnia is just like a guy walking and just kind of like a saunter it's if it's a weird analogy unless you've seen it but it's actually probably a good case study for a lot of the embellishments and weird things that nolan does that being said since there aren't a whole lot in this movie it kind of shows you how limited he was with with the source material but
1: but he does he does do interesting things i think from just like a standpoint of using simple like i think i like about this movie is this movie could have been made in any decade and it still works
0: rob has this weird fixation with that
1: it's just a super
0: bizarre fixation like it annoys him so much if a movie has any object or reference that can place it in a specific time or place and if you manage to make a movie where no one can tell what year it was set in rob just it immediately improves rob's evaluation of it by 25 percent. rob explain yourself
1: I, I don't I don't know if I have to. I just think that uh, I like a movie that's do I like a movie that's timeless. <laughs> but I mean, like what I'm saying is huh? is is not even source material as much as like how this movie will age too. like he just uses, you know, oh, this
2: movie's gonna be forgotten.
1: Uh, hold on on that. I, I guess what I mean is like there's not CGI in this movie it's just he uses a lot of like editing and like the camera sort of gets more manic as we sort of watch as um Dormer the Pacino character starts to like be affected by insomnia and i think it's really effective and just like well done filmmaking
2: see and i i guess i would have a bone to pick with that assessment too but let me just uh let me let me try to pick catch the,
0: pick the bone
1: pick
2: it just one moment but i want to i want to kind of plot summarize this as as best i can and as briefly as i can for the uh the three people listening to this and the two that haven't seen Insomnia, but basically Al Pacino and uh, this guy that was from uh, Weeds, which is oh, the only thing awful I.
1: awful in this movie, in my mind. Well, but spoiler
2: alert, he dies pretty early. So, good. uh yeah. Oh, his uh, partner? Hit, so they're,
0: yeah. Yeah. Off Donovan. Yeah, what the hell? He's so bad. <laughs> Painful to watch
1: him in this. And part of the season with good actors, and you're like, you think you could pull something off, like working with these actors but not him. I mean, he is just they they could have they could have found 10 different actors his age and just used each one in a different scene and it would still be as less forgettable than this guy. Like <laughs> it's so bad. Is that a different An actor awful. playing
0: him? I don't know. I don't really I don't remember know. the last <laughs> scene. <laughs> he
2: he's Al Pacino's partner and they're going to Alaska to help with a murder mystery and also to escape some internal affairs investigation back in la because uh one or both of them may or may not be dirty cops but that's not immediately clear they get to alaska they go about solving this case at a point this character an actor that nobody likes is killed possibly by accident possibly not and then that sets into motion this play back and forth between al pacino and robin williams as they each are trying to use each other to
0: is there any evidence in this movie at all that he's a good cop that he's actually good at his job, he notices that her toenails were cut. Yeah, <laughs> That's he, literally the only thing that he does that works. And is good
1: with like isn't it like something with like wood or he finds? I mean, he does find he <laughs> does something with wood, <laughs> doesn't he? Find like he does track down like where the murder happened at and like you know was about to capture him until that uh, that deputy like screws up and then uh, and then uh, Finch gets away robin williams gets away like he had the he had it solved he had it you know they they were gonna get the guy
0: in the cabin you mean yeah the cabin oh so the cabin that they didn't look at closely before they staked it out yeah that was a brilliant police maneuver there wasn't it someone else that screws up though
2: yeah so the guy raises the bullhorn
0: yeah and they gets feedback and it makes it spooks the guy spooks robin williams character but he also later just like like throws everything off the chief's desk and yells like, how do we not know there's another exit in the cabin? It's like, oh, you could have walked inside of it first. No. Well, yeah. especially yeah.
2: since somebody had to put the bag back in there. Or, why did they even have mm-hmm. to put the bag back in there? They were just going to lie to try to get the guy to go there, so that seems unnecessary. But I did want to I did want to talk about that scene. First, just a little bit of trivia. In the Norwegian version, the thing that spooks the guy when he goes to the cabin, this, this scene is almost set up pretty much beat for beat. Uh, the difference is Instead of the bullhorn feedback, it's uh, somebody. <laughs> no, it's somebody dropping the thermos, and it makes a noise loud enough, and then a low speed chase ensues. I'm telling you, everybody just walks in this movie. Okay, but the so yeah, so they they try to entrap the murderer. Is it entrapment? Is this seems like a legitimate police thing? And this sort of
1: I didn't see Catherine Zeta Jones, so I don't know. That's all I know. <laughs> Come on, yeah, give me something for the the contract. So dumb, God.
2: (laughs) If there's standout scenes in this movie, there's two, and this is one of them, right? It's even the basically movie poster of Al Pacino wandering through the fog.
1: I think there's. uh, I'm curious what your two are. I actually have quite a few, but I'm curious what your two are. So this one, it's
2: it's this law, it's uh this fog scene, and then it's the uh the chase over the uh, floating logs. logs.
1: I also like when they're on the ferry a lot. Uh it's one of my favorites in the movie.
2: I mean, that's a fantastic scene, but I remembered the fog and, and the the logs before re watching it. And but I don't, you know. I mean all the other stuff was kinda just part of the movie and nothing nothing stand out about it, I guess. But the this fog scene is just great. The I just I just think it's very, very well done and, and worth the price of admission. Like sitting through the rest of it. If you don't like it all that much, which I didn't back in the day, and it's, I'll raise it, I'll give it three stars, I'll bump, I'll give it another star, but, you know, this is pretty average. When I said I thought it was going to be forgotten before in 50 years, unless somebody's doing another Nolan podcast, I just don't know how often this one's going to come back up. But I mean, we're going to be talking about the Batman and the.
1: Yeah, but you know why? Because it's Batman. I mean, like, they're really good, but like. Well, and Inception,
2: uh, and people are going to be hated know, on Interstellar for I decades. I think,
1: oh, wow, no. I like Interstellar. I'm not a hater on
2: Interstellar. I'm just saying. That's going to be one of those contentious movies from from here on out.
1: I don't think 10 years from now people are going to talk about Interstellar. And I don't think Inception has much staying power either. It's got Leo. Sure. A lot of movies do. A lot of better movies do. (laughs) So does
2: Blood Diamond. (laughs) There's a fair comparison. It's gonna be remembered about as well as Blood Diamond.
1: Oh, I I actually disagree. I kind of am surprised that there this movie hasn't bubbled more up because there does seem to be a trend of looking at like bigger name directors, um, uh, quote unquote, or looked at lesser works at the time and kind of raising them up later. And I kind of thought this would be one, but I actually the reason I don't think it is is because the prestige. Is very very good, and I feel like that's yeah. the Nolan movie that people go back to that they're kind of raising up um, more than it was when it was first released. And I I love yeah. the Prestige, so I, I'm not negative towards that. But you know, you sort of think of uh, Fincher and Zodiac as another movie like that that like people like way more now than when it was released. And another one would be um, that's the
2: Jake Gyllenhaal one.
1: Yeah, and then Michael Mann's um, Miami Vice is another one that uh, like you know sort of like the the internet film community likes that movie way more than they did when it was released. And Insomnia kind of fits that a little bit for me, but I think like I said Prestige is is sort of takes that takes that spot.
2: I mean, I it's better than I remember. I agree. I'll, I'll grant it that. If I ranked Nolan's 10 movies in order, this one's 90%. 8 or 9. Well, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about um
1: Why I, I, okay, so here's a question. Why do you think that uh like Memento, which I really enjoyed when it came out isn't really a movie that's talked about much anymore. Why do you think Interstellar would have like more weight than that? I I don't know. It just, that's bizarre to me. I mean, this isn't about Interstellar, but...
2: Right. I would guess that Memento is looked at as a gimmick film. And there's been plenty of gimmick films. I think that the thing that people are going to be talking about with Interstellar is, A, we don't get a lot of just stupid, crazy space movies like you have to put this I'm not saying you put it ahead of it but you have to put this in sort of the same conversation as as 2001 right like oh, what other goodness. I what other what other <laughs> movies take interstellar travel that
1: seriously galaxy quest <laughs> <laughs>
0: Galaxy, galaxy quest. quest
1: is better than interstellar
0: <sighs>
2: Well thanks for joining <laughs> me on Filmography <laughs> podcast <laughs> Join me next week um,
0: or <laughs> whenever. Interstellar would be better if Alan Rickman was in it. I think all three of us mm-hmm. can agree on that. Uh, R.I.P.
1: Uh, I like the, fa- the fairy scene. I also like the scene uh, where he's struggling with insomnia and they have the phone call with uh, with Rob Williams' character. I think that's another really good scene.
0: And part of his acting, but like. Make your killers taunt the cops on the phone. You need to do this, filmmakers. Uh, it works every great time. Cinema.
2: Yeah, he's suffer- he's just about to fall asleep. And Robin Williams calls. I saw.
1: So what? Uh, saw so you shoot your partner. Saw so him die in your arms on that beach.
2: You're right, Joe. More. This needs to happen
0: in more movies. If I murder someone, I'm going to call the cops and taunt them. I promise you guys. So when Rob is murdered <laughs> by <laughs> me. <laughs>
1: And you can tell him, you can call the cop and be like, he really liked you.
2: (laughs) What do do we think of Robin Williams in this? Um, We mentioned his his 2002 and some of the other things he was doing at the time, but do you think he was, was this a good casting choice? Do you you like him in this? Yes,
0: I think he's very good in this. Yeah. I was thinking like, you know, there's all that hype about when De Niro and Pacino got on the screen together. And, like, it's really cool cool to see Robin Williams and Al Pacino on the screen together in a way. I found it, uh, like, not quite equally electric, but pretty close. It's like Robin Williams is, I mean, he's not as decorated as De Niro or as good as De Niro was at De Niro's peak. But, man, Robin Williams is a really good actor. And he, he, um, I think he really brings out the best in Pacino in this movie. Like I said earlier, like, unless you, I'm not going to count Angels in America because it's, for TV, although I know that line is blurred even more between film and television, but Pacino is, was is really hasn't been good again since Insomnia. All
1: right, but Robin Williams. One thing I know, Joe, you were just talking about uh, uh, Al Pacino. If Robin Williams, for a guy who is you know got a start and has like zany stand-up comedy from the '80s and sort of constantly over the top, uh, his dramatic roles are very good, and obviously. Goodwill Hunting is is the obvious example of this, but he brings so much he just seems so genuine in movies when he's when he's being dramatic that it's to me just it's hard to think of that many actors really that can that that have that much like uh, I don't know, just seeming so genuine. Like I you know, I would tell him I just want to talk to that guy when he's in dramatic movies
0: he's and because he's so um he's re, he's restrained like he's one of the few guys like he knows like okay so goodwill hunting robin williams knew the whole time he's making that movie he's like this is going to win a lot of awards but he's one of the few actors that i think he doesn't force it and he doesn't try too hard and like you said it's which is really weird given like his comedic persona and like say what you want and i know goodwill hunting like kind of gets a lot of a lot of guff i mean i and i do think it it tries too hard sometimes but robin williams is really sweet in it and and i like how he i'd like to think that robin williams at least as part of it just keeps al pacino from being like post senate woman al pacino yeah uh, just yelling who al pacino just just screaming and being unhinged because al pacino like could have played the sort of insomnia thing that way and just been really crazy and stuff but he's he's kind of normal in this movie and calm and actually has like a range and stuff up and down and, yeah. and so i don't know it's just sad and then you just look at his filmography and it's not nothing good since
2: you're right this was kind of the end of anything it was just paycheck pacino
0: after this yeah oh and i i don't mind it at all and actually i'll take paycheck pacino over paycheck de niro any day yes because yep. at least paycheck Pacino will be funny sometimes <laughs> <laughs> like yeah so it, like like paycheck nicholas cage is like peak paycheck actor like paycheck nicholas cage is just complete complete lunatic and it's funny like intentionally or unintentionally el pacino yeah. slots somewhere between the two guys
2: i love robin williams but i've never enjoyed his stand-up like his tv and film work is heads and shoulders above any any of his stand-up comedy that he's done and i now that i'm thinking about it, i'm trying to think of other comedians turned actors and which ones
1: yeah i mean jim carrey is is kind of similar in some ways a similar career path where you have like an outrageous stand-up comedian i think
2: he tried to emulate it yeah i don't know how successful he was
1: i mean but he did it beforehand you know what i mean like like uh, jim carrey switched to the dramatic thing a few years before i think a few yeah a few years before uh robin williams And in one way robin williams was emulating jim carrey Right, because Truman Show is what ninety
0: seven. Uh, when did Goodwill ninety nine at the latest? I think it's yeah. But Robin Williams was in other dramatic movies before that.
2: Liar, liar was ninety seven. Truman Show was ninety eight. Ninety eight. Okay. Man on the Moon was ninety nine.
0: Yep, So
1: those two.
2: I think the Majestic. That was that was his first shot at like serious acting, and that was two thousand one.
1: What Truman Show? Truman Show is serious, and so is Man on the Moon. He.
0: Uh, and Robin Williams was in Awakenings in 1990 or Dead Poet Society in 1989. Dead Poet Society. Okay, all right, all right,
1: yeah, yeah, Dead Poet Society. Okay, you win.
0: Sit down, Rob. <laughs> I
1: I am.
2: I do want to touch on that, Chase. So after after one of the conversations where Finch is taunting Pacino and then he visits him or goes to his apartment in the absurdly populated town, like these are all towns within the Arctic Circle and they seem to have all very high populations don't you think
0: well rob you've lived closer to the arctic circle than any of us so you are the expert here we're going to defer to you on it
1: i was uh i was in a wedding of someone from alaska and i talked to him about it so i have that (laughs) thank you (laughs) yes
2: i tried to do a little research and there's not a ton of people um in the arctic circle where this where you know land of the midnight sun is i don't know but i that was just a side beef that i had with this i'm like god there's there's a more people up there than seem reasonable but anyway so he goes and he he goes to uh, finch's apartment to confront him or find him or whatever oh this is the third nolan movie in a row where somebody bypasses a door lock with a credit card
0: rob is an
1: expert at that too oh yeah uh, right, rob? Have to, uh, yeah i've gotten doors open with credit cards before not credit cards but like uh id badges
2: so he breaches the door with the credit card thank god he had a treat in his pocket for those dogs Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, then, uh,
0: all cops know that. You always bring dog treats in Cops dogs. and mail and post carriers. Yep.
2: Finch comes home while he's in there. And then, yeah, so the chase uh, a chase is given, and they, they end up down where logs are floating down a river and they run across them. But Al Pacino falls in. And again, this was my other memorable scene where it's shot from below the water line and these big, heavy logs are crashing into each other. So if Pacino tries to rise up through them. He's gonna get smashed, but he's trapped underneath and might drown. And barely escapes uh, at the end. And then peers across uh, the water to see. Now we—this is the first time we actually get a good look. That well, I mean, we know it's Robin Williams, and now that now we see him. And I just think it's one of the more memorable parts of the movie. But it got me to thinking: Does living in Alaska just convey? Like, do you learn how to do that? Is that like one of the things? Just running across was, logs because.
0: I was wondering that too. How did he get so good at scampering? So he didn't get log jammed.
2: Uh, Rob, ask your Alaskan friend about that too, please.
0: I think I think they go to. Uh, I
1: think in Alaska they have retreats that they go to to learn how to do that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Can I click the boo button now?
1: No, no, don't don't hit a button. I just thought you guys would find that intriguing. I think you should leave those alone. Yeah, I think you should not do that again. <laughs> It's not going to be very popular.
0: Yeah, it depends. It depends whether you want people to stick around or not. (laughs) All right, we've really branched off into a tangent here. We (laughs) should get back to the movie.
1: No one could have seen that coming. But
0: (laughs) they're they're pining for us to get back to the movie.
2: I you know I I feel bad because this is painful and I can't think of a pun.
0: It's okay,
1: everyone. uh, Joe, you and I should just take a bow. (laughs) <laughs> Jesus christ you gotta be you gotta you know you gotta be a quick deciduous maker um oh, God. <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> well we'll 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 cedar we'll <laughs> I can't even, I'm done I'm done I can't do anymore i'm I'm sorry I don't mean to be a little birch about it <laughs>
2: Oak. Oak. okay, okay. Okay, okay.
1: Go
0: ahead.
2: <laughs> nah, that was yours, that was yours. That was uh... <laughs>
0: I'm
1: done, I'm done. I promise.
2: Are you sure? You don't wanna get- you got- come on.
1: Mabel later. <laughs> God
2: damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that sound is definitely making the cut.
1: Sorry. I don't know um if you will keep this in there or not.
0: <laughs> Rob, you need to palm down.
2: <laughs> well no, these aren't even puns. These are just rhymes now. This is just getting way, way off the rail.
1: Sorry, I've not all jokes are evergreen. <laughs> let's 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 leave it alone <laughs>
2: <sighs> anything else as far as uh memorable this is sort of the the turn at this point you mentioned the fairy scene before uh they meet on the ferry. they exchange information it turns out robin williams records it as a way to to blackmail uh
0: al pacino what cop could have seen that coming
1: <laughs> what do you want from me Vinch?
0: after Kay died i knew that everyone would think that i meant to do it so i cleaned the body up Moved all trace of evidence connected to me. Except for your fucking novel. Huh? Under pressure, you don't always see the wood for the trees. You, for one, should have figured that one out by now. <laughs> wood for the trees.
2: How fucking convenient was that? <laughs> yeah, it was It was a good scene, and so now we have some, some blackmailing going on, some pressure to cooperate and pin the murder on uh, poor, you know, kind of a dickhead but innocent nonetheless, Randy. Yeah. The uh, the gun really
1: really needled him there.
2: Oh, <laughs> Is it too late to call somebody else in for this one? What's what's Duff doing?
1: Uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done no. that. No, you're 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 fine. I enjoy it. Barking up the wrong tree. No, oh, Jesus fucking Christ.
2: <laughs> okay, so
0: Rob needs to get into treatment. <laughs>
2: Do you guys, is there a list you're working off of? I mean.
1: No, it's just, it's it's fine. It's our curse. I'm sorry. Once you get started, I can't stop. It's the root of my problem. (laughs) A lot of movies are set in Alaska. (laughs) It's true. For a state with no one there, there's like a lot of movies that happen in Alaska. (laughs)
2: Did I just say it seems overpopulated and you disagreed with me?
1: I mean, I don't disagree that there's not many people in Alaska. I just didn't think the town seemed overpopulated. I'm just saying that, like, there's a lot of movies in Alaska for how small – I mean, it's a huge state. It's the biggest state. But, I mean, for, like, you know, there's not a, like, a lot of people watch a movie that takes place in Alaska. and it goes, oh, Alaska. I remember being there. I don't know. It's just interesting how many movies are in Alaska.
2: Well, I'll have you know that it was shot primarily in Vancouver. So, I you know – might be overselling alaska a little bit it's still very pretty
1: but takes place in alaska
2: so yeah so at this point al's gonna go home the next day because case is solved right but it just isn't sitting well with him so he goes to confront finch one more time uh at his lake house which is just a shithole as far as i can tell
0: definitely needs some sprucing up
2: correct <laughs> it is a fixer upper <laughs> they go there they confront him because they figured it out they find the dress etc the movie ends D- i don't think the delineation between what's supposed to be nighttime and what is supposed to be daytime is distinct enough like i understand that it's 24 hour sun and this you know that scene where like he goes to shoot the dead dog to get the bullet it's it's supposed to be nighttime. I think the flashing yellow lights when he crosses when he walks through the intersection suggests that. But that's about it. There's no pacing. There's no distinction. Did anybody else kind of have isn't that, that the problem point? with it? What? Like isn't that why it's so hard to sleep? I think the insomnia comes from the guilt. I think this actually might have worked a little bit better if it was in a place with regular night day cycles because we would I don't think the the twi- the sun is keeping him awake so I don't know why they had to set it there like it just doesn't
0: is the sunlight like a tr- metaphor for the trans- the like the transparency of his corruption that everyone can see it that he can't hide I think it
1: I mean I think it's important because you know Joe <clears throat> you talked about you guys both mentioned like is this is he even a good cop what do we what do we see but like I think the sleep deprivation <clears throat> in you know when the original insomnia came out and then this like we've learned a lot more about sleep and Not sleeping is very, very bad for you. I have a little fun fact here, a little interesting chestnut, if you will. Do a little (laughs) research? Yeah. A study shows... I I missed that one. That was a good one. (laughs) A study shows that moderate sleep deprivation produces impairments equivalent to those of alcohol intoxication after 17 to 19 hours without sleep. Now, that's not even that long, right? We've all stayed up 17 hours in a row. Each daily. yeah. Yeah performance was equivalent or worse than that of a blood alcohol concentration level of 0.05 percent after longer periods of alt sleep performance reached levels equivalent of 0.1 uh, percent now in wisconsin which is where we are all located the blood alcohol content level is 0.08 percent to be given a dui that's yeah so, that's
2: legally drunk
1: yeah so i mean you know if this guy's on like you know day three of like only getting an hour or two every night like he's mentally an incredibly broken person
2: it can work I just don't think like by on day three do you even know what day you know it's implied that he's not sleeping but there's I just don't know how long could you tell me how long he's been up there I I, I couldn't tell you like that's know. the problem
1: I don't think he could either
2: well yeah but there's no way for the audience to tell how many days in a row he's been awake until Robin Williams later says like six oh, days six in a row. Days. Like yeah. and you're like, Oh good. Thank you for catching me up because it wasn't clear up until this point. Because again, if we had an actual night, if we knew he wasn't sleeping at night because he's racked with guilt for what he did and what he's done in the past and how his career might turn out because I, I like the, the shifts in focus and the hallucinations and some of that stuff that they did to, to convey the,
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
2: The, it being in Alaska for just for that point of it being daylight all the time, I don't I don't think it was necessary. After this, Nolan goes on to do Batman Begins. Pacino goes on to do not a whole lot. Robin Williams, what was after this Robin Williams? I mean, he did some stuff. He's been gone four years now, which is crazy. Night at the Museum is really kind of one of the only standout things from this stretch as well, isn't it? I mean...
0: The world's greatest dad he's good in that yeah that one i i enjoy that movie too <laughs> it's that's dark. a dark comedy too isn't it yeah. yeah 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 it is yeah it's pretty good hang in there when you watch it but it's good it's a lot safer to watch it with somebody for sure yeah or at least have like <laughs> a slice of lime with you i have to take your
2: word on that one
0: yeah well my final thoughts were that i would like to see um Christopher Nolan returned to something at this scale again. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of getting a lot of, it's kind of like that backlash going against him right now. But I was, I was actually really encouraged by Dunkirk. And I thought, cause I, I don't know, his movies kind of like have these sort of like fascist tendencies that kind of turn me off. Even this movie, like I, I was really turned off by the fact that she wanted to like, he's such a pile of garbage, but she still wanted to destroy the evidence that proves that he shot his partner. And he tells her not to, which kind of saves it a little bit. But even still, it's like, ugh. He just says all these movies where the heroes like take shortcuts to to stop bad guys, which I think is such a, such a bad message. But I thought Dunkirk was actually relatively like nuanced and interesting. I, so I'm excited to see what he does next. And it'd be cool if he went back to the genre again.
2: If uh, if you could have chosen. A different director to take on something like this one of the bits of trivia on IMDB was uh, Jonathan Demme was considered for directing this uh, which I think done
0: a much better job I think I agree
2: but uh, what what would you like to see Nolan maybe do a remake of or or who do you think might have done a good job on this one other than maybe Jonathan Demme any any Scorsese of course well, he could just make anything he wants to. Did you Did you guys see what was the religious one he did last year the year before? Uh, I I really
0: want to watch it. I'm ashamed that I haven't watched it yet because I, I I'm one streaming. of those people that really likes his long like religious movies like Kundun and stuff. So I'm nice. I am excited to watch it. Just hard to find like Hey, I'm gonna sit down and watch a three hour movie now.
1: uh You know who would have done a really good job with this movie? Uh, it's Clint Eastwood. Mm.
0: Sounds like Joe disagrees. Like if he made it back then,
1: yeah, in two thousand two,
0: uh, not now. He, yeah, okay. He would, be, he would he's have done a, a fine job. he's a
1: great actor's director, and and that's kind of the weight of this movie. Uh, on that, I think a lot, and in uh, his minimalist style, I think it would have worked really well.
0: It would have been interesting to see him work with Al Pacino. I don't think they ever did work together. I don't think so. But he would have gotten real cranky and told him to stop yelling, and that would be funny, <laughs> which works.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just think, like you know, imagine this movie with a Mystic River
0: tone. You know what would would be entertaining? Probably really bad, but entertaining would be if Oliver Stone did this movie. <laughs> it, yeah, that's
2: that's an accurate way to describe <laughs> most of his movies, isn't it? Yeah, that's true.
1: My my only final thought, Jason, is um, sorry about all the puns, and I'm sure you're sick of more puns. <laughs>
0: That's the worst one <laughs> and a great way to end it.
2: I knew what I was walking into, and I, uh, I appreciate you guys showing up. We mentioned uh, your last and current podcasts at the beginning, but do you want to throw out the uh, – you want to get some plugs here?
1: We're not dying. Le- le-
2: most recent, sorry.
1: Yeah, we do uh, – Joe and I and Duff, who I know was on episode one, do a podcast called Titanic Minute. Uh, we go through the movie Titanic minute by minute it's, it's as stupid as it sounds and uh it's a, it's jason, a daily
2: podcast isn't it it's
1: daily podcast that's right and jason was uh was uh, i don't know how the timing of things work out but was a guest a heart of the ocean if you will
2: at titanic minute at tombstone minute you want to say anything about tombstone minute i really enjoyed that one that was my first minute by Thanks, minute
1: man tombstone minute same idea just about the movie tombstone so uh, that's our Tombstone Minute, is our Basement Tapes, uh, and then Titanic Minute is stepping up, adding uh, the Duff Factor, and uh, our we'll next s- movie
0: is going to be Dylan's Christian period from the '80s. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah,
2: great. Well, yeah. Again, thanks so much uh, for coming on here. The puns were I'm sorry, <laughs> were worthwhile. I hope to have uh, all three of you back uh, sometime in the future. There's seven movies left, so if any of those stick out to you, maybe we can argue about Interstellar one day. But uh, until then, this is Filmography Podcast. My name is Jason. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will catch you next time.